You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Wednesday hump day edition of Locked On Pelicans. We've got a lot to talk about with your 0-4 New Orleans Pelicans looking at potentially 0-5 now. Let's look at the defense. What's going on there? Why have they been bad? Some of it's obvious. Some of it isn't. We'll take a deep dive into that. Then we're going to look at two players over the next two segments, Brandon Ingram in the middle segment he's been outstanding what's been different about his game why is he succeeding here in new orleans to a degree that we've never really seen him do this quite before and then we'll look at a guy who's struggling who did miss the last game and that's drew holiday let's see what's going on with him so let's dive into it all in today's edition of locked on pelicans So the defense for the New Orleans Pelicans has not been pretty whatsoever, and it's probably the main reason this team has started 0-4. The offense has actually looked pretty good. We'll maybe spend a day next week talking about it. In the half court, even, they've looked pretty good. Overall, there's no real complaints there other than maybe that game against Golden State. Three out of four ain't bad. And it's the defense that's leading to the early demise of this team. You can say Drew Holiday hasn't been healthy, hasn't been in there. That's going to lead to it. Yes, to an extent. No Zion Williamson, though, they should be better probably without Zion out there. No Derek Favors, yeah, but when we've seen him, he hasn't been so effective, so I don't know if that really changes or affects very much. It's some pretty obvious things that you kind of see. Just a lot of guys attacking the rim, not getting enough defensive rebounds to end possessions, and these are all issues. So New Orleans right now has the second worst defensive rating in the league, only behind the Golden State Warriors. It's 116.6. The Warriors at 30 are 120, so they're significantly worse. The leader, though, in defensive rating is the Utah Jazz with 92. So you're way far off from that. You're you're even far off from league average right now, which is just 105 and you're 116. So you're giving up basically 11 points per 100 possessions more than just the league average. That's bad. Your offense better be scoring 12 more points than the league average, basically. I don't think that actual math works out. Don't, don't use that one. But you get what I'm saying. It means your offense has to basically be perfect. And with the defensive rating that bad, it's no wonder they're losing games. Big culprit of it is the defensive rebounding. They grab 64.8% of available defensive boards, meaning they give up a whole lot of offensive rebounds, about 35% of all rebounds, opponent misses, all of that stuff are going to the opponent, to the opponent offense, giving them second chance points. We saw it in the game against the Golden State Warriors. How many second chance points did that team have when you don't need to give a good shooting team uh, and a team that can get hot that many second chance opportunities? Just not ending possessions really does hurt this team. Offensive rebounds, putbacks, all of that are some of the easiest points that you can score and New Orleans is letting opponents do it. Another area where it's really easy to score is shots in the restricted area, that little circle, semicircle underneath the basket. You want to be shooting there or you want to be shooting threes for the most part. Even shots in the paint outside of the restricted area don't have a very effective 
field goal percentage on him. It's basically the same thing as like a slightly longer mid-range shot. It's not the best. If you're getting into the paint, you want to be shooting in the restricted area. That's also where you draw a whole lot more fouls. Well, New Orleans is giving up a league-worst 41.3 field goal attempts in the restricted area per game. Now, part of this is that they play pretty quickly, so opponents get more possessions to kind of do this. But 41.3 field goal attempts per game for the Pelicans that they're giving up in the restricted area, not just in the paint, in the restricted area. That is just horrendously bad. There's there's no other way to put it. Teams are shooting 62.1% against New Orleans when they get into the restricted area. It's an efficient and effective shot, and New Orleans is letting teams do it. So part of it is the lack of awareness. It's not like they're posting up and getting down low against guys and scoring that way. It's more in the pick and roll. They don't know how to cover the roll man, and the roll man is getting a free lane to the rim. We saw that against the Golden State Warriors a, a ton. The other part is just lack of awareness, which kind of comes with this too. A lot of backdoor cutters and guys just kind of going down the lane, getting a pass from a a teammate and scoring because they've got momentum going towards the basket against the Pelicans. They need some rim protection. Maybe Derek Favors would help with this, but when teams are going at you 41.3 times per game, even an elite rim protector is going to give up a lot of points and a lot of shots doing it. It's not good. Conversely, those in the paint but not restricted area shots, New Orleans gives up the few of the fewest of those per game. And it's just all at the rim is where this is kind of going. And then you look at mid-rangers, so out of the paint, not to the, not a three-pointer. The Pelicans, and you want to let teams take these shots, are giving up the second fewest, just 6.8, so seven, let's round up, seven mid-range shots per game against New Orleans. That's what they're giving up. That's it. Teams are just getting to do what they want against the Pelicans offensively because the defense can't force them out of the paint. And then if they do, it's usually going to end up being a three-pointer. And I think this is partially by design. I think New Orleans wants to let bad shooters just rip threes. You kind of see Milwaukee do this where they're cool with a okay to mediocre shooter uh, take threes against them all night long as as long as it's not a guy like James Harden or Steph Curry. They'll they'll guard those, but they want those bad shooters taking those open threes, a guy like Rondo or a guy like Lonzo Ball. And teams are launching them. The corners have been open against New Orleans, partially because when they attack and then there's late rotation, someone's going to be open if if the driver really wants to look for it. And above the break threes have been a lot too. But I think this is by design. New Orleans isn't giving up too bad of a field goal percentage from above the break threes is right at league average. So I think this is kind of what they're doing and that's working, but it's mainly allowing all of those shots in the paint and the effectiveness that comes from that. You're not going to be able to stop opponents that way. It's also one of the reasons why you're seeing so many offensive rebounds for teams. They're not long defensive rebounds when teams shoot a three necessarily. You can corral those. It's that stuff down low and with the front court being a little bit thin as it is, Yeah, it's no wonder they're giving up all of these second-chance points. And that's what they need to do. Grab a couple more defensive boards, force some guys out of the paint, or just have some more court awareness. And it is a young team. So part of it is these guys just don't really know what to do. They're not used to this. And that's kind of becoming a bit of an issue for them. But there needs to be some more court awareness there to kind of know what they're doing. And we would expect this to get better. 
you know, Drew Holiday can help with some of the penetration on the perimeter, slowing down guys like Russell Westbrook, et cetera. And some of it is those guys just driving into the lane and the Pelicans not having any answer for that. But I think most of it's in the pick and roll, other type of backdoor cuts, those type of situations. That should improve and the awareness should improve as they get comfortable with each other. They get into the system more, all of that stuff. It's still early on. This is only going to be the fifth game on Thursday, sixth game, um, you know, with some of these guys together, really, if you count some of the preseason stuff, too. So overall, you know, they haven't even played now 10 games together, let's say, with the five in the preseason. That's okay. It should be a slow process. And David Griffin said a definition of success for his team is as long as they are significantly better than they were at the start of the year. Well, given how bad they are right now, that shouldn't be that hard to do. So by all means, this could be a very successful season for David Griffin, given off the, the poor start that the Pelicans have had here. But it shouldn't prove. It just takes time, some growing pains, learning all of that. And if they're not significantly better at the end of the year, oh boy, are we going to have a problem because you can't play basketball like this. This isn't working. So it's a long season. We'll see where it goes. But that's the main reason why this team's losing right now is the defense has been that bad. We'll get to Brandon Ingram in a second here. We're going to skip Drew Holiday from today's episode because I just saw some news that I somehow missed from over the weekend that I think we should talk about very quickly in the third segment. And we'll focus a little bit more on Brandon Ingram in the second. Before we do that, though, today's show brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout. So new Pelican Brandon Ingram has straight up been outstanding during the start of the year so far. In four games, this dude's averaging 27.3 points per game. He's doing it on 50% shooting, taking 21 shots per game, taking seven threes, hitting 50% of those as well, getting to the line a decent bit, though lower than what he's done in past years, but making those at a higher clip than he's done, and also significantly upping his rebounding. He's almost grabbing 10 per game, 9.5 along with almost five assists at 4.8. He's doing this with just 2.5 turnovers per game. This is really good. There's no other way to put it. Like, he's been awesome. He's been by far the best Pelican out there, though I think you could make an argument that Josh Hart has been uh, as influential, even though it's been more limited minutes and with less offense from him. But Ingram is the MVP of this team right now. And this is a bit of a surprise. I think a lot of people were not so high on him going into the year, maybe higher on Lonzo Ball of all of the guys that came over from the Lakers. Maybe it was concerns about the injury he had, uh, basically a blood clot in his upper body. Maybe it's the fact that he's going to get paid this offseason in these four games, meaning he's really going to get paid. But when you watch how he's played these four games, you're not really worried about paying him and you're comfortable giving him a max deal. And believe me, he's going to get a max deal. And he's looked that good, just kind of doing whatever it is the team has needed him to do or to be. And this is after a pretty shaky preseason when, you know, you walked away being like, okay, the dude can score, but what else does he really do? And sometimes he forces it too much and takes the team out of their offense, out of a rhythm. And that's not what you want to see because that's not how this team's going to win games. Well, if they were going to win games, it would have been Brandon Ingram who was carrying him to it. Again, 27.3 points per game. That's up over his 18.3, which was his career high last year, and basically the same amount of minutes. That's how good he's been. Now, he's got a significantly higher usage rate and um, shots coming to him. So overall, it's been good. So we know the scoring's good. 
And that's been no surprise. He works for shots. He can drive and get to the rim. He's freakishly athletic. There's a couple pictures of him where you're just like, oh my God, that dude, his arms. And he's added to that though. We know the mid-range game is there, which again, you don't want to be taking a ton of those, but if it's open and you're good at them, yes, take them. Kevin Durant's like, I will shoot mid-rangers because I'm good at them. Well, you're Kevin Durant. Not every player should be doing that. But Brandon Ingram right now, I kind of trust with his shot chart and the different things that he's doing. So overall, I don't mind seeing him take some of those shots or kind of having the shot distribution, the shot chart that we would expect from him. But he's basically getting to the rim pretty high, not as high as he has in years past. But what you're, where he has improved is is three-pointers. A third of his shots this season have been three-pointers. That is the highest of his career by far. And he's shooting them at a 50% clip. That's really good. This is a guy who right now in the league, I think, let me pull up the numbers from the corners here, um, in terms of totals, is taking and making more corner threes than almost any other player in the league right now. And I think that's been a very big surprise to see from him. So this has been awesome to see. And we want to see him taking and making those th uh, threes from the corners. He's taking basically two from the left corner per game and one from the right. So that puts him basically at three corner three shots per game. That's good. Do that. Those are the easiest shots to get out there. He's taken seven from the left corner, four from the right for 11 total. Um, and that puts him second in the league. He's shooting those at 45.5%. He's five for 11 there. That's really good. Keep taking those. Those are the easiest three. They're the short corner for a reason. And it just, you have, if he's in the corner and he's making those at a high clip, you have to have a defender on him at all time. It basically is like an anchor and that's kind of what it's called. It puts someone out there as a court space or an anchor because you have to stick a defender on him and there's nothing else you can do. And if he makes that that high, it just spaces the court and opens things up for the rest of the team so much more. Three-point shooting has been a pleasant surprise. He wasn't t doing this the past couple of years and he's blowing out his career averages. He's taking, again, seven threes per game. His career high was the past two seasons at 1.8. That's a significant jump. But it, jump has also been in the assists, and you can see it when they just let the offense go through him, flow through him. He's doing well, putting up almost five assists per game that beats his career average of three. And you can see he can drive and dish. He can create for others. The ball doesn't stop. You see some Kevin Durant in this dude's game. You really, really do. And they have similar body types, I think, which helps with that. The rebounding has also been very impressive from him. And this has been a big surprise. Grabbing almost 10 boards per game. His career high before this was 5.3. It's up to 9.5. That's over four rebounds more per game. He's been the best defensive rebounder on the Pelicans so far this year. That's really important given the struggles that they're having there right now. And as we talked about in the last segment, the very poor defensive rebounding in the numbers from that. Having a guy like him who's not just your offensive guy but also gets it done on the de defensive side of the ball showing the two-way player that he can be, it's pretty good. He defended Kristaps Porzingis pretty well. He did well when switched on to Luka Doncic in that game. Those are two guys that are tough to defend, tough to keep off the boards, tough to keep off uh, their scoring marks. 
he did a very, very good job. It's just tough not to be impressed with him. And he's doing it in a variety of ways, whether it's mid-rangers, whether it's getting to the rim, whether it's a three-point shot, or just being a defensive rebounder that the team needs, given though that he's kind of out-muscled down low with his lack of bulk, strength, whatever you want to call it. A height's there, but he's not moving guys out of the way, but he's still getting these boards over some of those guys, showing the fight he has. Again, you just have to be very impressed with the season Brandon Ingram is having so far. So final segment coming up in a moment, some news out of Houston, some stuff after the game that led to an arrest. Let's dive into that one because it's kind of important and maybe kind of serves as a bit of a uh, public service announcement, a PSA here. Before we do that, though, don't forget, subscribe to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. Please leave a five-star review with a comment in there, too. Really, really helps. saw a couple of new ones from the other day. Thank you all for leaving those. It makes more of a difference than you know, and it takes you like 30 seconds. The podcast is free five days a week for you all, giving you your Pelicans fix. No one else coming to you like this. Heck, there's paywalls on certain things now, so if you want to read about the team, it can be more difficult than ever. This, you just press a button, get the newest episode, and you're good to go. Again, no one else doing this. So please leave a five-star review with a comment. Subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from and tell a friend about the show. Get them tuned into all of this. No matter what, it's going to be a fun season, even if this team goes 0-5. You want to be along for the ride. You want your friends to be along for the ride. It's always more fun when there's more people involved in everything. Tell a friend about the show. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from. All right, final segment of today's show. And this is a kind of ugly note of things. And this is a Rockets fan punched Pelicans assistant coach Joe Boylan in the face after the game on Saturday. I didn't realize this. I don't know what really happened, how this happened, but they arrested the fan. He faces misdemeanor assault charges. They also arrested his girlfriend who was charged with trying to keep police away from her boyfriend who punched the assistant coach in the face. Obviously, it goes without saying, don't do this. Like, I'm not big on telling people what to think, how to feel. I don't want to come off preachy with you. It's your life. Do what you kind of want. Get mad about Alvin Gentry if you want. It's okay. All of that's fine. Don't punch people, though. Don't punch assistant coaches when you're at a game. We've seen a lot of bad fan behavior over the past couple of seasons in the NBA. And they are taking a zero-tolerance approach to this. And they've already banned the fan for life from ever attending games in Houston. It probably is going to apply to the, you know, the league. And they're going to start doing this. If you yell something inappropriate that crosses a line at a player... You're going to get bounced out of there and you're going to be banned for life. It's basically as simple as that. We've seen a number of racist incidents over the past couple of years. Other things that just kind of cross it where you're trying to bait guys into things. Go viral with a video. We've seen it against DeMarcus Cousins while he was here in New Orleans. Don't do things like that. You know, maybe even play it safe. It's one thing to boo. Booing's fine. You can definitely voice your displeasure about things. But I get it gets heated sometimes and people scream things in the heat of the moment that are like, wow, really? You don't want to do that. You're going to get banned for life. You want to keep going to Pelicans games in the future because Zion Williamson is going to be really, really fun to watch. I'm watching this Laker game, by the way, and Anthony Davis uh, sorry, exited once to the locker room. Did return, though. Now he's kind of hurt his shoulder again. Anyway, besides the point, when Anthony Davis returns that day before Thanksgiving game, be careful what you yell if you're close enough because the tempers are going to run high at that one. Hot. You don't want to be banned for life. There should be better fan behavior. Boo if you want. 
Say some other things, certainly, but be careful not to cross that line because, frankly, the NBA and the league and the Pelicans are going to err on the side of the players when it comes to this sort of thing, and they're probably going to have a quick trigger when it comes to just ejecting people, banning them for life, whether or not an investigation's done. Don't, they just don't want this to be a thing. The league doesn't want this to be a thing. It shouldn't be a thing. I'm kind of with them on this one. Be careful what goes on. We've seen some stuff before. Don't be one of those people. Also, just don't punch people in the face as well. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And we'll be back with you all tomorrow to preview the upcoming game, talk Drew Holiday, maybe talk the offense, a ton of other topics. Even though they're 0-4, maybe going to be 0-5, there's still a lot to look at with this team. And it's interesting, which is more than we can say from a past couple of years. So again, thank you all for listening. I'm Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. 